for tuning in to another episode of The Bold Platform. My name is Adrian, and I am the creator and host of the podcast. Um, the Bold Platform started in February of 2019 and is a way for uh, me to help women and girls around Australia get out their story, um, especially if they're working on a project, a business, or a social enterprise that is somehow leaving their community a little bit better than how they found it. Um, the women and girls on the show are often um, what I would classify as sort of ordinary people that are doing um, really amazing things and often sort of fly under the radar because they might be smaller or they might be getting started. So this is a really great platform, I hope, to share their stories. So today I am um, joined by Melanie Nicholson from The Balanced Brain. So welcome, Melanie. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you. Um, so tell us about The Balanced Brain. Well, the balanced brain is um, a coaching, a coaching and writing and business that I have, um, and it, well, it's a bit bigger than that. I'm also running some workshops, and um, I've been doing that for about eight years now, eight or nine years, um, and that was based on my lived experience with a severe traumatic brain injury, and um, I guess using neuroplasticity to change patterns and behaviours that weren't really working for me very well. And through that lived experience, um, I've been able to use that uh, for my clients as well. I also have a master's in dispute resolution and come from a mediation background. So I used to do be a divorce mediation. Wow. And I'm also ex-military. So I've got to keep back on stuff. Yeah. That um, skills. But I think the most important experience in my life has been um, recovering from a brain injury and, and looking at all aspects of recovery. So I recovered very well physically. I made a miracle recovery. Um, but then it took me a long time to realize that I hadn't actually healed the emotional part of myself. And even when I've been coaching boards and CEOs, because I, I came out of the government and into that sort of area, in that exec area, um, and that's what people were coming to me for. It was, oh, I need some coaching in business. But as it turned out, it, most of the time it would be, uh, around resilience and self-awareness and how do I know more about what I need and want and who am I? Those really big questions. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So okay. that's big. Yeah, that is big. It's fascinating. Right. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about the ac uh, the accident if mm. you feel comfortable yeah, doing yeah, absolutely. so? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really good. I've made it a business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. You've really turned it into yeah. something fantastic. Yeah, so I had, um, well, I, I started, I joined the Air Force when I was 17. I was there for six years. Um, and then when I got out, I went, to the child support agency which manages people who are separating and they've got kids and um, I was working as a ministerial writer for Minister Hockey at the time so basically answering child support concerns on behalf of the minister. Um, I was driving to the office in Canberra on State Circle which is where Parliament House is and a young man ran a red light and T-boned me and um, I was resuscitated at the scene and the jaws of life were used to get me out of the car and um, I'd broken my neck but the worst was a severe traumatic brain injury so I had to be um, taken to emergency where they had to actually cut open my skull and to relieve the bleeding and I was in a coma for a few days and 
Uh, I had post-traumatic amnesia for over a month, so I didn't even know my mum. Oh, wow. um, and then, then I went to got airlifted back to Brisbane, which was my hometown, mm-hmm. and spent two months in rehab, learning how to walk and talk, and um, an amazing brain injury rehab unit in Brisbane. And I went back to work in the June. So I had the accident in the January and went back to work in the June. Oh my gosh. And how old were you at this point? I was only 28. Okay. And I and what I didn't realise also, so I was managing that, but I had to sit a compulsory eye test, which everyone who's had a brain injury has to do. In and terms of your li- like your licence or just in general? Just in general, general. but also for my licence. Yes. Because I fractured the part of my um, where I broke my neck is where your brain actually controls your vision. Wow. I didn't realise that um, I had a major defect in the right side of my vision and I, I didn't know because I don't know what I can't see the brain sees for you. So I had to surrender my licence and I've never been able to drive again. Oh. So that was pretty – I was single and living by myself. Um, up until I was 40, I've been single all my life. So yeah. I was really independent that was a big blow for me. So all of a sudden I was disabled as well. So on paper, yeah. On paper. Yeah. yeah. Like in terms of that's what I was stamped and, and that's why when I had to surrender my license. But um so that was at twenty eight, that was um truly devastating because I'd always been really independent. I never really wanted to settle down, but I'd sort of thought around twenty eight that I'd might meet someone. Sure. At that stage I was still gonna have kids. Um and that was that was changed forever because I really I had to start again. Yeah. <laughs> and prior to that, I'd also realised that um, I'd had precarious mental health. I had an eating disorder that developed when I was in the air force. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of my girlfriends struggled with that. Um, as you could imagine, there was a lot of harassment and bullying when I was in the air force, and mm. a lot of scrutiny of my parents and. Um, as much fun as I had in defence, it was also the other side of it, which was fairly traumatic when you're a young girl. So I'd already been dealing with that before I had the brain injury. But my thing is that people don't care about that when there's a brain to be fixed. Sure. And that's not something that they ever asked. But that, that stuff doesn't go away. My life didn't, you know, it wasn't this, this injury happened, but then I just basically... I basically pretended it didn't happen, my accident, and so things just got progressively worse, Mm. you know, up until about 2015, 2016, um, when I really started realising that I hadn't um, made a full recovery in terms of my emotional well-being. Right. So you could, you know, some of those things that you mentioned in terms of walking and talking, you know, they obviously were taken in the accident and you learnt to do all those things again. Very quickly, like textbook, it was absolutely amazing how... Within six months, mm. yes, I was back at work. Uh, you know, I had some weakness in the right side of my body, as mm. if like similar to what people have with strokes. Okay, but um, you know, I was back running. I was back. You know, like I've always been quite fit. Yeah, and yeah, it was almost like I just just threw a wig on because yeah. I had sh- they had shaved my head a couple of times. Of course, and um, just pretended like nothing happened. <laughs> And, but underneath some of yeah. those things that weren't yes. kind of reset in that accident, you had to learn again. They weren't. They were still yes. there, bubbling, yeah, bubbling away. But because, so in the medical world, world they call it high functioning. Mm. I just call it perfectionist. 
And that was my undoing in the end because it was almost seen as a tick of approval from the medical field. Oh, you're high functioning. Yeah. But no one actually really asked what was going on underneath the high functioning physical and, ability yeah. and the perfectionist trait that I'd always had, which was part of the reason why I developed an eating disorder that didn't help in my recovery from brain injury because it was just about, okay, I'm just going to get on with things when I really, that was a, would have been an opportunity for me to start really drilling down to what it is that was causing the emotional pain. Yeah. And that had been around since I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And so at what point did you think I'm going to take all of this that I've been through and then turn yeah. it into the balanced brain in terms of a, a project or a business? Well, the story around that was around 2015 I, I took up CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And I loved it and because I was really quite lonely and isolated in Brisbane. Brisbane's a really lonely town for women in their 30s, lots of single women in their 30s. A lot of men move away from Brisbane. Um, but it's also a really a city that's really spread out, so mm-hmm. it can be really lonely. And I was living right in the CBD in my own place that I had. But um, what happened to me was I um, was doing a CrossFit competition and – um, I, I pushed my body so hard and I'd already had an underlying dehydration issue because I'd just done the Gold Coast Half Marathon six months before and also with my eating disorder I had this underlying dehydration. So I had caned my body so much that I ended up in hospital with a condition called rhabdo where basically blood was streaming into my kidneys and I was about two hours away from kidney dialysis and I spent a week in hospital one of the most painful, miserable weeks of my life, worse than my brain injury because mm. at least I wasn't conscious for that. Sure, you don't have that much of a recollection, yeah. <laughs> and I realised and, – and things weren't going well with my family, like my relationship, everything around me. Sure. Was, and I – it was had to take that for me to be put in hospital again, you know, 10 years after my brain injury, and I just went, I can't live like this anymore. Mm. I'm just – it was almost like I was trying to prove to, to the universe that I deserved to to have lived. Like yeah. I would just, I'd done, I'd hiked every space camp. I'd done like, and my body just broke down. Yeah. Like really my mind broke down. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, what am I doing? So that was in April, 2016. Mm-hmm. So I just made a decision. Newcastle kept coming back into my mind because I was posted here when I was in the Air Force, ah. but I hadn't lived here for 20 years. And no one was here that I knew. Mm. And I'd left, when I'd left 20 years ago, I'd lived on Derby Street. So I had this random idea and it was based on a really strong gut instinct. And yeah. that had been around for 12 months. I thought, you know, I'm going to follow that gut instinct because it's always been pretty good for me, but I've let my logical brain, go, you know, Override. and analyze it like a lot of women do, thinking mm. and analyzing mm. all the time. Mm. So I trusted that gut instinct and I moved in June. So two months later, I left Brisbane. My family were like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just trusted myself for the first time in a long time. And the day I moved here, my life changed and almost instantly I made a decision to be open to every opportunity in Newcastle. And I did a little experiment on myself where I'd get out of my comfort zone. So I moved to Derby Street so that I could Every night I would go out and dine somewhere different by mm. myself, talking to locals, 
And for those yeah. that don't know, Derby Street in Newcastle is like one of the main streets. It's full of mm. restaurants, yeah. cafes, there's some yeah. beautiful bars there. Yeah. So in terms of someone coming, you know, for the weekend or mm. for a holiday here and a local would usually say, yeah, go and try Derby Street. There's yeah. lots of restaurants and cafes. Yeah. So it's, it's a, in Wikipedia. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice, yeah, check Wikipedia. It's a good little strip there of restaurants yeah. and bars and coffee shops. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the other thing too, Adrian, as I thought, one of the reasons why I have been alone for a long time is I had a, an absolute fear of rejection. Mm. It was paralyzing me. And I had tried the internet dating thing and stuff, but I had, I realized now that I would have had a wall up around me because I was just, well, I didn't know myself. So I didn't know, I thought a partner, I thought that'll make me feel better. Right. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, wrong way around. So when I came here, um, you know, I actually started asking guys out and really putting myself out there, facing rejection and being okay with it, just going, well, it's not about me, you know, and even just asking people to be my friends, business was a big one, asking for clients, you know, speaking about my business when it's not easy to explain and in a town like Newcastle, which may not necessarily understand what it is I, I do. And Brisbane was the same. Like it's still fairly, like Australia's fairly new to that whole, the coaching side of things. Um, so, yeah, I just did this experiment on myself. And I joined the gym on Derby Street and I started training with a PT, which I'd done on and off for 20 years. And just because I, I've always loved weight training, um, I'm – I saw a PT profile in the gym. I thought, he looks good. His name was Aaron. Um, and then six months later, we ended up going out and I asked him out and we've been together for 18 months and it's the most beautiful relationship. I didn't know I could have a relationship like that, but I guess I realized that I met him when I was in a really good place and I actually really liked myself. In mm. fact, I can almost say, I fell in love with myself. Yeah. And Newcastle really was my soulmate in that way because yeah. that allowed me the opportunity to open my heart and things really changed for me. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think it's okay to say that you mm. fell in love with yourself because, you know, I know it's a cliche, but people mm. say, you know, if you don't love yourself, then how will anybody else love you? And especially if you don't mm. even like yourself or you don't even know yourself, or you don't. Know how yourself. are you going to allow someone else to get to know you could, and even, especially when you start dating someone new, it's, mm. you know, you're not always the most authentic version of yourself. You're, you're overthinking everything. Like, is this yeah. what I should say? Is this what yeah. I should wear? Is this where I should, you know, suggest we go? It's so much overthinking instead of mm. just totally giving in and being like, look, this is me. I'm not going to be for everybody. Yeah. And obviously, well, I'm a little bit on the eccentric side, so I knew that it, that the internet dating thing probably wasn't going to work. But that also meant that I had to go. Well, right, well, where would I meet someone? And I yeah. didn't know, but I just thought getting out and about would do that. And it's interesting with my partner Aaron because we had you know eight months of training together twice a week. And that was a perfect way for, for someone like me to meet. I'm not saying for everyone. Some people meet sure. people on the internet. Yeah. But for me, that was really crucial for me to build that first, mm. um, to really open up to someone. So I, I would think that, like you said, I don't necessarily – It's people might go, well, do I love myself? Well, yes, I do. 
but they don't know themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and they might think that, well, this is what I am. But when you sort of ask more questions, and that's exactly what I do in coaching, just even as a question like, or oh, who are you? What do you want to do? can completely floor someone mm. because they're like, well, I don't really know. Yeah. Because a lot of what we get told about ourselves comes from parenting mm. and, and whether we had good parents or difficult parents, we can end up in the same situation because even good parenting, we're still imposing our views on kids as they're growing up. Yeah. And schools and friends and we we forget who we are because we've we've got all these influences on us. Yeah. And it's worse now with social, social media. media. Right? Like mm. that's I feel really sorry for kids now because that's another added complexity to that. Yeah. Where it's even more crucial now for people to really have a strong sense of who they are. And I think that's And to what, own it. And to own it. But we're going through a transition at the moment. I, I There's a lot of distress in the community, a lot of distress. Like I'm seeing it not just for my clients but family and friends. My partner sees it at the gym. Mm. Like there's people – it's got so hectic and so busy. Even in a town like Newcastle, yeah. people are barely – their heads are spinning. Yeah. And yeah. they don't even have five minutes – to gather their thoughts and and really ponder about what they're doing. Do I do I want to be here? Do I want to be doing this work? Do I want to live in this town? Yeah. Do I want to be in this industry? Mm. Do I want to be with this person? Do, do I, I want to be, be with these person? friends? Do I yeah? yeah friends is a big one, right? For mm. men and women, because mm. as we work on ourselves more, that there can be that gap where when we're in that transition ourselves and we're really doing that work, it can be a really lonely space. I mean, that's I believe that lonely part in Brisbane was essential for me to really get to know who I was, mm. but I had to bear through that to, to come out the other side. Yeah. But then you do have to know when you're using loneliness as a form of protection as well. Yes. Because even though being in a relationship, people say, oh, it's hard. It's hard being by yourself, but it's also easy being by yourself. Just as it's easy to stay in a relationship you don't really want to be in because you're terrified of being alone. Of the alternative. Well, and both people are terrified. Are... Well, both both options are have their their issues. Mm. I think for the main one that I see, and particularly when I used to do marriage, um, do the divorce mediation, mm. the terror of being alone. But the worst thing I used to hear from people is when people feel lonely in a relationship. And there's nothing worse than that, mm. sleeping next to someone and feeling alone. Yes. I can tell you, being alone and being alone in the bed is a much more comfortable feeling than yeah. being lonely. And it's, oh, you know, I totally agree with you. Like I'm single now um, and it's rare that I feel lonely. I have felt the loneliest I've ever felt in my life when I was in a relationship and walking around a house with someone and mm. just feeling completely and utterly Alone, yeah. it's so hard to explain, but yeah. it is. It's the loneliness, lo- loneliest time I've ever experienced, which yeah. just doesn't seem right when mm. people think, "Oh, you're single, you live on your own, or or what mm. have you." But it's like you can actually be way lonelier with somebody than on your own. Yeah, and I think that's really, I yes, I think that's worse. Mm. But then for me, having been alone for so long, and it's pretty rare for someone to have been like it's on people almost find it unbelievable mm. but that's how much I was like I'm not going to get hurt you know like yeah. even though I'm 
a really emotional and sensitive person in some ways but before I got to know myself I didn't know how to create boundaries for myself mm. with those emotions and sensitivities so I just really just put a massive wall up yeah. rather than learning well, to easier, say right? no yeah it's it's bullet well, it, it's easier mm. um but then and then and then you know it's interesting and even my family like even my mum would say to me oh you've been alone for so long now it's going to be almost impossible for you to be with someone and I'm here to tell you that's not true either mm. because I moved in with Aaron after only a few months. I'd never lived with a partner mm. and it was amazing. And so we tell people, people tell us things about ourselves and until we know ourselves, you know, because that day I actually said to my mum, mum, actually you don't know what I, I'm going to be like living with someone because it's never happened. So mm. you don't have this. Nobody thing. knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. So it's, you know, like, so you create your own story. You create your own identity. Yeah. It doesn't get told to you, and I allowed that to happen for me for a long time. For a long time, yeah. And that also made my behaviours, like I look back and some of how I was acting in my friendships and my family relationships, and I'm not proud of that either. But I, but when you don't know yourself, some, sometimes your default position is behaviour that doesn't serve or hurts another person or hurts yourself. Mm. So when I started learning about those boundaries – but always with love, then that really transformed the way not only I communicated with people, but how they responded to me. Mm. That two-way. The two, that yeah. two-way, yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit more about um, the courses and the workshops. Mm. You mentioned right at the start around, you know, helping people to rewire their brain, which is obviously something you have lived through, yeah. but also rewiring their heart. Mm. Is that specialized with people that have been through brain or, or some sort of brain no. trauma or just in general no so i generally work still work, work with boards and ceos but yep. i've got another offshoot at the moment which i'll talk to you about but um i am teaching so i at business center i was doing workshops for startup women for women who are about to start their own board and have a have their own leadership team. Mm -hmm. But as I said, most of the time it was around that relationships up in terms of um, how do I build a good culture in my team and that. So um, I have a systems thinking background. Yeah. So that really helps with my lived experience yeah. with neuroplasticity, but also understanding how we have to get systems right in business to create some of that really good culture where people feel valued and supported. So that's what I, I do, that business side of things. Mm. And I have had specific workshops looking at women, but I generally have a mix of male and female yeah. clients. Um, but the one big thing I'm doing at the moment is workshops for men. Mm. So we've had some amazing response to that. I'm doing that with my partner and my friend Carly, who runs a business um, in kinesiology. And we've had some amazing feedback and we're, we're basically just getting men in a room and talking about mind, body, and communication, all of those connected together because mm. they've got to be connected. Mm. So my partner does a bit of talking about the body and physical health. Sure. And then Carly does the the mind, you know, in terms of looking at some techniques for the mind. Yeah. And then I do the how to say what you mean type communication. Yeah, right. So the reason why we're doing that for men at the moment, there's definitely a gap there for men. Yes. So there's the, all your Beyond Blues, they're amazing. But there's a lot of men who don't identify with being suicidal or even depressed, even if they are, mm. and they just want to lead better lives. Yeah, they just need a bit of a tune-up. They're not yeah. at that point yeah. or, or they don't think they're at that point of calling yeah. 
lifeline yeah. or beyond blue or whatever it is it's more about that yeah proactive maintenance and yeah. this is also about men are really confused about relationships just mm-hmm. as women are relationship with self and with with if they're heterosexual with women um yeah. and if not then with men yeah so it's also really confusing there's a lot out there for women yes Some women are doing amazing work on themselves and what I hear a lot from women is I can't meet a partner who's done the work that I've done Mm. And I say we there's a gap there for men because there are many men who want to, you know, self-development. They want to grow. They want to do things differently. Mm. They want to have a life outside of work because men, no matter what the age group, are still predominantly the provider in sure. this society. And here in Newcastle, they tend to be also the main breadwinner in, in yes. households no matter what age group. So for a lot of men, their life is about work and earning money and then bad habits develop from that. Mm. But there is there is definitely that gap where we need to help men come into that community mm. and for women to to meet those guys yeah. and partner with those men who've done that self-work. But, yeah. yeah, so that's something I'm really passionate about. Yeah, and you're right. There is such a gap. And I don't – I think sometimes, you know, we talked early before we started recording, you just sort of – see the information that's in your feed or in your bubble because that's sort of the world you um, Mm. subscribe to. But, you know, even when you just look around at advertising and, Mm. you know, just in general, um, there does seem to be a lack of that sort of support, not at that high end sort of, you know, we talked about Beyond Blue and things Mm. like that, Black Dog Institute and those sorts of things, but just Mm. that kind of, yeah, that growth work or that self-development work. Because mm. you're right, for a lot of men, their work is a huge identity and mm. a part of their identity. If that's ever taken away, which it is right at the moment, you know, in terms of redundancies so much, yeah. or disruption in different industries or, yeah. or you know, they have their own business and it doesn't go so well, it's like, well, who am I? Mm. I don't actually have any other part of myself. Yeah, yeah, part of that. And that's part of – so my big name change a few years ago to the balanced brain was part of – We've got to bring men and women. Yes. It doesn't matter what your sexuality is, no matter what you're working in, we have to work together. Or we're better together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and a big part of healing my experiences in the military that weren't so crash hot with men Mm. was around, well, how do I heal that part of myself? And that's by providing service to men. I know that doesn't sound... People go on, but I didn't want to be a victim. I didn't want that story playing over and over again in my mind yeah. about men either. And there's only so much you can do about what has unfortunately yeah. happened. And yeah. I'm sorry that that was your experience. But in terms of going, okay, well, how can I make a difference so that other people, men or women coming up through the yeah. ranks don't experience that, then yeah. this is a good way of, you know, changing that changing narrative that. in the future if, if yeah. you're limited to what you can do retrospectively about what happened what to you happened. I guess yeah and one thing I would point out Adrian going back to defense I had some amazing male mentors and friends mm. and amazing female mentors and friends but I also suffered with harassment from women as well in sure defense because it's a dog-eat-dog world in that military environment and it becomes about competition mm. so what part of the where I've seen society heading it's just so black and white at the moment and we're not seeing all the grey. Yeah. And they're humans, bad behaviour is not a female thing or a male thing. It's a human thing. Mm. So there's definitely systemic issues going on with, with men at the moment that there is some underlying stuff that we need to really 
manage, mm. but also Likewise, there's some women. stuff with women, right? Yeah. Um, and that is around the, the self-worth stuff still for women is big and that means they don't necessarily value themselves. Mm. And here in Newcastle, I see women perpetuating that because in some way in terms of their value because you're always getting asked to do free things. Women are it's, – it's a little joke in the business community in Brisbane about women doing stuff for free. Even the men know about it. Mm. So, you know, we've got to work together to start, like, changing some of these patterns. There's yeah. so many skills – and I'm generalising, right, yeah. because there's some thriving sure. business owners here – and there's some men who probably st- – like I'm, I'm really generalising when I say that and mm. it's just my opinion. Um, it's pretty controversial but I look at the cost of living in Newcastle and I see what women are earning and how they're struggling to get, keep their businesses afloat and we've got to change the conversation. Mm. And that means – because we're still looking at, even in the startup world, the men have the connections still. Yes. So that's where I find – and the connect. And when I say connections, I mean the decision maker. Yeah. The person with the money. That's going to help them <laughs> get up off yeah. the ground. And yeah. I still see that as a barrier for women. Mm. So we've still got to be really working together because there's this polarisation that I see happening. Yeah. But we've got to get back together to – to create a whole new way of being really mm. in the business world and in personal relationships. And has that been um, a barrier for you, getting the balanced brain up and running in terms of, you know, a challenge for you in this town? Uh, yes, absolutely, yeah. And But I do think in saying that I also do think it's an Australian context too when I used to say I was a mediator 10 years ago, everyone's like, what's a mediator? In the US, it's a profession in itself. It's an industry. It's a thriving multi-million dollar thing over there. But when I did finish my master's in dispute resolution, I graduated in 2009, I was, it was like I was talking a different language mm. and it was such a wonderful um, master's that I did. It was, you know, I did cross-cultural indigenous mediation. It was just, and I came out going, oh my God, all these massive ideas. But I do see it changing. I think that we'll start seeing the importance of particularly conflict resolution because it's conflict within the self, you know. And yes. Even wars on a global level have started with men having war in themselves and, yeah. and women's war in their bodies. And, mm. you know, the conflict is people used to say to me, oh, I don't know, what, what conflict are you talking about? And that, to me, internal. is, yeah, it's internal, mm. internal conflict. It's how we feel about ourselves. Mm. On the flip side to that, since establishing the balanced brain with Aaron and Carly. Yeah. Well, what, they have their own separate. Okay. We do, we're kind of, that's where we're doing collaboration. Yeah. And that's what I think is also important because the balanced brain, I do my coaching aspects, but it's also about bringing in, other business owners and collaborating on, mm. on something that we're passionate about. So, and we decided the balanced brain would be the best platform for that because we're, that's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Is that and it's like you said together. before, it's gender neutral, yeah, gender you know? Neutral. Yeah. So it just kind of worked out how yeah. we would put that under that. And so what have been, I guess, some of the highlights for, for you going through getting that started where moments mm. that really stand out to you that went, yes, like this has all been worth it or, you know, some of those real highlights. The creativity, like when colour – so Aaron's down at the gym doing his PT thing. He's the logical part of things. So yep. Carly and I got together for the creativity 
And even just to put a flyer together, we did nine hours of just brainstorming Mm. and people look at it and just go, it's a flyer. But we were so invested and we were like, what do men want and how can we help men? And people don't see that in creative work Mm. in any type of creative work, like writing or coaching or doing your own business. They don't see the hours that people put in. Yes. And that's part of the conversation around why being constantly asked to do things for free and discounted. I mean, that's not just that nine-hour day. Carly and I have spent days and days just thinking about words that would mm. would attract men into our workshops and yeah. stepping inside a man's shoes and doing that kind of stuff that people don't think about. Yeah. You know, and just, yeah, and also we've had some resistance from women in the community around the man, the man space. So it's like, oh, because the Me Too thing came out when we started, like, really thinking about it. Yeah, right. They're like, they don't yeah, deserve oh anything. Like, just, <laughs> but you know what? That was about Carly and I being brave as women too, like, coming into this space, you know. But, mm. look, I think when you start to get to know yourself and know your gut instinct and your feeling, it's really – if you feel good about something, if you feel expanded – then you're on the right track, yeah. no matter how scary it might be and controversial, then you've got to trust that feeling mm. and we're trusting it. So you mentioned there a little bit around trusting your gut um, and using that as a bit of a guide. Mm. If there's people that are listening that think, um, you know, they may have an interest in starting something else, mm. whether that's outside of a, a job that they've got or in addition to that, what mm. is um, what's some – I guess, advice that you would give to somebody who's thinking, I'm going to sort of maybe try to start a new project or I'm looking to give back Mm. to a a group within the community perhaps. If someone has a really strong feeling about that, then I would – that's good because people are recognising those feelings in their body. Mm. Um, I say if you – you have something and you don't even know what it is, then some body work is good to get into like yoga, kinesiology exercise is good to start – being able to even feel it, what your gut instinct is. Yes. But if you have one and you think you want to start a project, then just do it. That's yeah. what I have to say. Like I was just – because so many women do identify as perfectionists, they will just want everything absolutely to be perfect. And yeah. that's – that. in the first few years of my business, I think about all the stuff that I did that actually wasn't about how am I going to – get clients or how it was all about all that other stuff and making sure the font was perfect on it. Yeah. Forget about all that and just really concentrate on your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Mm. And that's where the value will be. Like when you, and that's about your gut. So why are you doing it? And it could be just as simple as I really need to help people. You might be in a job where you're not facing, you know, you're not, you're not having that need met. So it's understanding that what you're, you're doing but also you do need to be savvy about well do you want to monetize it do you want to make it a role and I think but it always comes down to your why yeah so no matter you you have to get smart about how you're going to make coin from it sure but at at the very core of that is well what's my why and how am I communicating that because I realized even when I came to Newcastle you know I had people actually say to me between like, what is it you actually do? Mm. And sometimes I couldn't answer that. Mm. Yeah. So, you know what? Who cares if it takes years to do that? We're living in a really dramatically changing world. So things aren't going to be clear at all, I don't think. But just get just get down to the why do I want to do what I want to do. Yeah, and, and just keep trusting that gut. Keep and if it feels it. right, 
Yeah, that's the right. And one thing I would say is when you, if you feel like you need to feel more about what that is, then that's when you do have to really put some boundaries around your social media use, your mm. consumption of news, your listening to other people's opinions. That's when you've really got to take yourself away, have even like a short meditation practice, have some alone time where you're actually just sitting with yourself and going, actually, and then ideas come to you. Yeah, no things has, will float. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no one even just sits with themselves anymore and to feel what that is an idea there or what, what you might want to do. Mm. So I think even before we talk about, well, what's a side project, I think people are at a place where where they actually just need to take themselves out of this busyness and and actually, well, okay, what is it that I want to do mm. and start from there. Yeah, definitely. In the workshops and the courses that you run, and especially with the coaching, I can imagine that you, um, you're you hearing a lot of people's stories and, and obviously there's the the um, the risk of, of taking a lot of that on. Mm. How do you then make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you yeah. can serve those other people that you're yeah. supporting through the workshops and the courses yeah. and your coaching? So self-care is number one for me. Yeah. So when I was last hospitalised in 2016, mm. that was where it had to start from. I had to basically, before I even did all those experiments of asking people out, self-care. So that is nutrition. Mm-hmm. Water is massive. Like yeah. People just don't drink enough water. Exercise and meditation, they're non-negotiables for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll... You know, no matter what, how early I have to get up, I'll do, um, I do 20 minutes morning and night, but I only started with five minutes. So just, yeah. you know, that's where you can start. Um, but for me, there, and I just sit quietly before each client, like a coaching session. I'm not rushing and rushing, always make sure I've got time in between. Mm-hmm. Just to, even if it's just five minutes and just sitting quietly with yourself. So I, I just think in today's world, it's just, the self-care you can't do anything without self-care it has to be the cornerstone of everything you do yeah so and and that is it's simple like and and it's not about eating like clean all all the time in that sure like that try 80 percent just try small things that's what i say to people and that's what i'm with with the men in the workshops we're just saying try one small thing because there tends to be that whole, I'm going to not eat this for six weeks or I'm going to go and do, you know, like one small thing, yeah, just an extra glass of water a day, five minutes, and then build up to 10 minutes meditation, a walk, and make them as part of your routine, like brushing your teeth, you mm. know, like I remember once uh, um, it was a Chinese reader I went to see and she's like, Meditation is like contraception. Take it every day. Oh. Like, I mean, this is so funny. It was so random, but it stuck in my mind because I'm like, well, yeah, it's part of your routine. Yeah. And it's so vital at the moment for people just to get that space for themselves. Yeah. And 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 don't wake up and scroll on Facebook. Facebook's and, – and look, there's just so much crap on there at the moment. If I'm looking through my feed at the moment, even some amazing things that I used to sign up for seems to have been buried and I'm just ending up with – you know, if you're – notice how you're feeling when you're scrolling. Like most people, they say, oh, I don't feel good. If you don't feel good, then get off Why it. Why would you it's do it? It's not to say delete your accounts and stuff. It's just to start feeling how you're feeling when you're looking through Instagram and Facebook. And yeah. you'll be surprised. You'll be yeah. like, oh, you'll start like – that's how I started really 
just being really aware of what was happening with me when I was reading something or doing something. Yeah, you're right, but because you do find that, you know, even just in my own personal experience, you can be scrolling th- through and thinking, mm. oh, that person's out exercising. Shit, okay, I haven't exercised mm. today. I'm like, oh, look at that person. They're like hanging out with their family. Oh, yeah, I haven't called my sister today. Mm. Like, And all of a sudden you're just feeling but overwhelmed. A guilt shit storm. You know? Yeah. It's just guilt. That's what a mm. lot of women live with all the time. Yeah. So instead of looking at people feeling guilty running on workshop to get up um, in the morning on Facebook then get up in the morning and go for a walk yeah and just simple stuff I mean, we live in made like Newcastle for anyone outside I mean we live in a beautiful country most places you can go for a simple walk so yeah. it just starts with simple stuff like that yeah but I think that it's self-care is also about managing social media use I totally agree because I think for women it is it's it's mainly women on Instagram and Facebook yeah that's not where a lot of men are hanging out yeah. yeah, and it sets unrealistic expectations. Yep. Like no, like we were talking before we started recording about, you know, when you put something really raw and open and personal on social media, people tend to shy away from it. But yeah. then when you put, you know, your celebratory things, people yeah. are very supportive. But yep. I think that also comes at the risk that people are like, oh, you're like, she's really arrogant. Like, yeah. oh, you know, that yep. sort of thing. It's just this, this fake lot you know we've all had that experience where you see friends on social media and everything's great and lovely and then they get divorced or separated you're like where did this come from like everything looks so great on your social media it's not a lot of it's bullshit it is bullshit (laughs) it really is and how how you know that you're cured from shame is when you put up something like what i did a few months ago about no one even people in my family didn't know i had an eating disorder for 20 years Mm. i wrote I basically bared my soul in the Thrive Global article I wrote. I shared that to Facebook. Yeah. I got very little engagement with it. Um, even my family, none of my family other than my sister said anything about it. And you know what? I'm just like, I'm just going to leave it up. So for a moment, I want to take it down. Oh, yeah. Vulnerability hangover. Yeah, totally. But that's when you know you've pushed through shame and feeling like that because it's there. And yeah. it's now my main part of my website that I'm putting as my biography and a link to it. So, yeah, you know, you transform shame by actually actually showing up and not no matter what people are engaging with and putting and, it and out don't necessarily know that someone hasn't read it and just didn't and they're like oh that was really lovely walked away and didn't we don't know we can't assume what people no. are thinking no doing. and that's what, what what else we do on well you media. just rely on the insights and the analytics but yeah it's yep. not real it's not real they're not really no. yeah like we were saying before it's like a currency that is yeah. used to trade products yeah. and services but it's not actually real you can't pick it up and and cash it in for money and take it somewhere else you know and talking about systems not even facebook and that know what's happening with algorithms at the moment because people's behavior has become so erratic no one can control it anymore right and i think that's a good thing because it's like well that that means you should not have any trust in (laughs) metrics and likes and ticks and yeah because you just you just don't know and you can't measure your self-worth on that no, what you can measure it on but is it how you feel you about don't yourself. Get hurt. Like you still, oh sure. Like, honestly, if you're putting stuff out there and and no one's engaging with it at all, that's hard, right? But then you just you push past that and go, yeah. right? Well, I'm still turning up. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you're not going to feel like that. You know. Oh, it's it's you know, definitely a real feeling. As I said, like I'm can put my hand in my heart and say I love myself, but I'm still vulnerable to feeling super exposed and you know yeah. but it's that showing up thing going right well this is who I am yeah and the people that 
do love me, love me, and that's what's important. Regardless of how many followers or likes you think you've got. Yeah. So stay in your community. Get like get off Facebook and get out there. Like Newcastle is perfect for that. And even Sydney and places like that, Mm. there's people that you can connect with and I think I think there'll be a trend back to face to face. I hope so. I hope so too. But I think that's what why we're human and that's if you want to have a relationship with anybody, then you gotta do the face to face stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think the I'm predicting there'll be a trend back to being human. Yeah. <laughs> looking pretty... into people's eyes and, and that's not having to say that conversation. Not amazing stuff. Like I'm sure that you've read them. Like I find stuff on, you know, and I follow certain groups that are amazing, you mm. know, like and it, it it's not about totally, you know, blasting it, but it's just around learning how to manage it and yeah. how we and and if it serves you. And yeah. one day it may and one day it may not, and that's fine, but just being in touch with yes. how you're feeling yeah. during that and time. seeing it as a self-care it's a preservation right. yeah. yeah and definitely and yeah you can put it down there with eating good food and drinking meditation and drinking water sorry yeah and yeah. um yeah you can see part of that is social media management as part of your self-care package yeah well i was just listening to a podcast this morning that um, the world health organization has just added gaming addiction as an official um, listing on their site along with smoking and, oh, and let me tell it's you wild this is the sad thing that's happening with the gaming with men is the, the mm. gaming industry is specifically targeted men in their 20s and 30s with lab brokes and all that stuff it is a crisis in in for men who are disconnected and are connecting through gambling addiction. Yeah. Like that is an and online gaming and all of yeah. that. Well, it's all in the same category yeah. of addiction. So they're not crazy. on social media, but they're on lab breaks and they're on sports bed. And yeah. You know, like yeah. it's really, it's not been spoken about a lot, mm. but it's just another way of filling yourself up with stuff. But sure. it's no different. Right? Yeah. It's just bog standard addiction type yeah. behavior. But now, unless you know yourself well and you have that self-care, now you've got big business who are deliberately using psychological tactics to addict you to Get something. Get into your yeah. head, yeah. And you can – even just was watching some sport yesterday and Sportsbed is sponsoring a football game and then the commentators are calling out the bets and like – Then it's on in the ads yeah. and it's – I was saying that spray painted on the field. Watching this is going to be rewired for you to think that gambling is that equals bet, that equals football and yeah. equals, you know like and it's like it's starting you yeah. know and unless we know ourselves and know what's going on then that's yeah that it's really it's becoming more important. Yeah, and and places like your workshops and your courses making it for men to come outside and being like. Look, that's what I'm being sold, but that world's actually not yeah. for me. And the world for me is one where I'm working on my relationships yeah. with myself and with others. And it's, you know, working on, on myself and they're stepping away from it and turning their back on that world. Yes. And I, I think, think it's going to be, look, it's, I think it takes a fair bit, especially for men to come in for that mm. sort of stuff. But eventually we want to make it um, so that people come and they ask anything they want to ask yeah. talk about anything they want to talk about yeah because i don't even think women are getting those options to really talk about what's really happening mm-hmm. and i see that a lot with parenting there's the pressure on on mums you know like and there's then there's that whole facade to be kept up in that part of your life as well so mm. it's all just it's so exhausting yeah like it's a really exhausting world yeah if we if we're not 
managing our, ourselves. Yeah. And I think this is where we're heading in the next 12 months particularly. We just can't keep continuing. No. And, uh, you know, male suicide rates in Australia and New Zealand are horrendous, but women are also reporting huge stress and anxiety, levels of anxiety in women. And uh, we are just we reaching a tipping point. Yeah, of, something's got to give. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And it's all about that. The well, your well-being and just, yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah. So if people want to know more about The Balanced Brain, where can they find out yeah. more info? Yep. So go to www.thebalancedbrain.com.au. So you have to put the AU on there because yep. there is one in the US. Um, and I'm also on The Balanced Brain Instagram. Mm-hmm. So that is my tag, yep. The Balanced Brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and... What else have I got? I'm just about to set up a Facebook page for the um, Balanced Brain as well. Okay. Um, and that'll be to more advertise the workshops for men. Awesome. Because we do know that women are getting their men there as well. Yes. So we, we, we want to connect with women. So yeah. we know that that's happening. Awesome. Yeah. So, yep. And, and other than that, we're doing the 80s style where we're putting posters up around Newcastle and they've been really effective. So yeah. with tabs. So just don't discount that because we know a lot of well, men aren't on Facebook and Instagram as as much as women. Sure. So the old poster down there where they're having coffee and in yeah. surf clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. Word. And so, if they're not in a relationship and they yeah. don't have a partner encouraging them to go along or a sister yeah. or a mum or a really good girl, yeah. or like a female friend, yeah. whatever way works. Well, we're getting all age groups from 22 to 50. So yeah. we awesome. did not know that that was going to happen. Yeah. But it is. And that's exciting. That's so. very exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with me this morning um as melanie mentioned you can find them uh online at thebalancebrain.com.au and also instagram and we'll also put a link to that thrive global article in the show notes so that people can um read through that um thank you for listening to another episode of the bold platform um if you would like um to follow us on social media we're on facebook and instagram as well and if there's someone in your world that you think might find melanie's story interesting feel free to share this episode with them and that helps um the balanced brain and melanie story get out there to more and more people so thank you again for listening and thanks melanie for coming and chatting thank you thank you Adrian.